0: from KQED. You're listening to Forum. I'm Nina Kim. California hit a new record Tuesday for the number of deaths from COVID-19 in a single day, 197, a heartbreaking milestone for a state that had been praised early on for enacting a statewide stay-at-home order credited with keeping case and death counts low. Now California has among the nation's highest number of confirmed cases at more than 485,000 with the Central Valley becoming the newest hotspot for virus transmission. We look at how we got here and what it will take to turn the tide of the pandemic with Eric Topol, Executive Vice President of Scripps Research Institute and Founder and Director of the Scripps Research Translational Institute. Thanks so much for joining us, Dr. Topol.
1: Oh, great to be with you.
0: Also with us is Anna Ibarra. She's a health reporter for Matters. And if I could start with you, Anna, can you just tell us what's happening in the Central Valley? Where are the hardest hit counties? What are they experiencing there?
2: Sure, so yes, as you said, the Central Valley has become the new hotspot in California and that's its eight um, county region from Kern County to San Joaquin County. And, um, you know, the state in itself, um, the governor has said this many times, um, COVID is not affecting the state the same, all parts of the state the same way. And so while the state's positivity rate um, in Cal, um, you know, stands at 7.5, so that means 7.5% of the tests in California come back positive, um, in the Central Valley, that ranges from 10 to, uh, you know, almost 18%. Um, actually, I was looking at the numbers this morning and, you know, in, in Fresno County, for example, the positivity rate, there's 12.5%. In Merced, um, you have 168 And then in, in Kern County, actually, I have to take a, a double look at this. Uh, Kern County is reporting a 29% wow. positivity rate.
0: And what is driving this?
2: Yeah, so... Here we have um, the essential workforce being uh, very uh, affected and uh, the essential workforce, we're looking at, um, you know, the agricultural industry as well as the restaurant industry. We are looking at factories. Um, so these are people that really haven't um, had the chance to stop working, they've been working all through this. And, um, you know, among those um, affected, uh, of course, the essential workforce in this area is uh, made up primarily by the Latino population. And so the Latino population is always, has, is also, you know, um, one of the things that affects this, this group is uh, a couple of things. You um, have more shared households uh, with uh, or multi-generational households. So people of all ages uh, living together, so one family living together. Um, you also have the fact that they are, you know, they haven't stopped working. They're part of the essential um, workforce. Um, so yeah, that's one of the, the a couple of the yes. things that, that is driving um, the, the uh, the the, the house outbreak there.
0: And one of the things that is a concern across the state, but particularly in rural areas, is whether hospitals can meet the needs of people. I mean, how are the hospitals doing in the region?
2: Right. So the hospitals are very overwhelmed. Um, They're uh, at one point, you know, the state reported this week that in some hospitals, about 65% of the people uh, of the beds are occupied by COVID patients. So they are very overwhelmed. Um, that is why the state is also um, announced earlier this week that it would be sending um, strike teams and part of that is, uh, or, or response teams, and part of that is to help with um, some of the, the hospital uh, capacity um, and hospital staffing.
0: Eric Topol, the Financial Times recently called California, quote, a case study in how a few bad decisions can undermine months of good work. Basically that uh, California squandered the gains that it made early on when it locked down. I mean, what do you see as the main reason that we have gotten to this point where the Central Valley is a hotspot and we've had so many others since, say, May?
1: Right. Well, I think that uh, description by, as you cited by the Financial Times, is accurate. So California took the lead, the first uh, state, to uh, start uh, the stay-at-home, if you will, lockdown. And that was terrific. Uh, and of course, the earlier the better, but at least it was first. The problem was, uh, while that was terrific and it helped limit uh, the California um, Californians' exposure, it opened prematurely. And that is the guidelines for reopening uh, as set forth by Johns Hopkins uh, CDC and other groups were to get the cases down to less than 10 per million people. And then also to have in place all the testing and contract tracing and isolation um, uh, set up as an infrastructure. We, in California, did none of those. In fact, the day that it opened in May, uh, reopened, uh, it, it was in the midst of cases increasing. There was never achieved adequate suppression. So that's where we are today. Had we done in California what the countries throughout Europe, in Asia, and many other places around the world, we wouldn't be dealing with the problem we have right now.
0: So putting in the testing and contract, contact tracing infrastructure as and reopening too early, it sounds like you're saying, are two really big factors. I also wonder what you think about uh, the governor's decision to really kind of you know, give the counties the ability to decide when they wanted to reopen, to ask for, uh, you know, to ask for exceptions to the state's rules when they deem that necessary. I mean, some are concerned that in doing that, that kind of giving the counties um, basically the power to make these determinations, that they actually kind of set, set up the counties to really have to deal with a public that was itching um, Mm -hmm. to get outdoors to reopen.
1: Right. Well, that's basically parallel to the federal government yielding to the state governors. And it's all about, you know, absolving responsibility and not having coordinated plans. So if if the entire state, every county, every region was uh, held to the same uh, guidelines, which were the ones that we know work. I mean, you know, California and the United States were not the first to enter this pandemic. We learned and can learn from other places. And if you look at the hardest hit places in the world, like Belgium and UK, France, Spain, Italy, they handled this really well by waiting uh, till they got full suppression. And so that should have been the, the case for every part of California. Now, just to put it in perspective, we're not nearly as bad off as the states like Texas and Arizona and Florida recently showed us because our positive rate, even though it's just reviewed in in specific locations, can be in double digits. But overall, the state is you know in the eight percent, seven percent range, which is about the average of the country. And it's only because we have such a large populous, the pop, most populous state, that we're seeing you know these large numbers of people dying now, and uh, and of course the number one state in the country in insofar as cases. So while it's not a favorable situation um when you compare it to per capita basis per million people in other states it's not nearly uh, as a dire uh, situation
0: we're talking with eric topol executive vice president for the scripps research institute and anna ibarra health reporter for cal matters we're talking about the latest news on how california is faring in the pandemic and, and want to invite you our listeners to join us With your questions and comments, the number 866-733-6786. Again, 866-733-6786. You can reach us on Twitter and Facebook at KQED Forum or email your questions to forum at kqed.org. Are you concerned, confused about the direction that California is headed in? Do you think the state should be doing something differently? And of course, I put that question to you, Dr. Topol. I mean, what do we do about this now? We have a Bay Area State Senator, Steve Glazer, who's saying we need another lockdown like the one we had before do you think we do
1: well um you know the problem is is you these are exponential things that happen and you keep waiting to do something uh take you know strong action and these things are getting worse as you think about it so here in san diego you know we were down to a positive test rate two uh, percent and now we're at eight percent and all that happened pretty quickly over a matter of a few weeks over the course of this reopening so the the choice that you're bringing up is you know do you do you go to a stay-at-home lockdown type format or do you take this piecemeal patchwork approach like you know the bars and indoor restaurants and you know these selective approaches we don't know if those selective approaches work we do know that uh, you know, from many uh, examples uh, throughout uh, the pandemic, throughout the world that the, the, the very rigorous approach works. So we just don't know. Uh, the one thing that's good is in recent days, uh, we are seeing overall in the state a decline in the number of new cases. So the measures that have been taken are showing some effect. And of course it takes time. It takes a couple of weeks to see the, the benefit. So. The real question to your to your answer to your question is we don't know because it isn't the full uh, aggressive uh, approach. It's it's more uh, a convenient approach of of things that we know are outliers in ter- insofar as new case growth.
0: In my sense, and, and you can tell me if you think this is true, is that the state or at least the governor really does want to continue with sort of this sort of tinkering um, right, right. approach. Uh, and because, of course, we know the economic devastation that comes with a, a total stay-at-home or very close to a total stay-at-home, and, and right now with you know, the Senate basically in a stalemate about how to support people, we also know that there are many people who still don't have the protections they need or the ability to take time off work. So there are so many factors if you're going to put in a whole nother stay-at-home order statewide.
1: Right. No, it's a great point. Tinkering is an excellent way to describe that. Uh, And, you know, if we're really serious about this, we would just reboot get the testing structure and 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 Contact tracing all geared up like it should have been reboot the state get the cases down to less than 10 per million We're not anywhere close to that uh, And and then do it right. Uh, But the problem is the economy There's so much focus on oh, we got to get the you know the the economy back, but you really can't do that until you control the virus. So, um, you know this fine line, this delicate balance, uh, has been erred in trying to um, rescue a shutdown economy rather than making the patient population health the priority.
0: Well, and Anna Ibarra. Dr. Topol mentions the importance of having the testing and contact tracing infrastructure in place. And I know you've done a lot of reporting on the contact tracing infrastructure. So can you tell us where we're at with that right now?
2: Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, in CalMatters, we actually did um, this week, we really uh, published analysis of 38 counties those counties on the state's watch list and we wanted to see where they were in contact tracing and um really the we found that the majority of the counties are still really trying to do contact tracing of course they're very limited because of the the delays in tests and because they have a very high number of cases um but the, the majority are trying um there are several counties that have said you know we really have to prioritize who we um, uh, reach out to, so which cases we investigate, and which uh, and who and which contacts we ask for. So you know that means that many of the counties are prioritizing their more uh, recent um, cases. So you know if they if there's um, someone who. Whose test results are, you know, ten plus days old? Um, you really, they, some of the counties feel like they can't make much of a difference in 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 that case. So they move on to more recent cases. Um, so they really kind of had to, I guess, triage, you know, their their um, resources and their um, and their time.
0: And I mean. I thought that the state basically was ordering counties, requiring counties to investigate positive cases, then trace and notify contacts. Are they able to enforce that? I mean, are there any uh, penalties for these counties that aren't doing contact tracing effectively?
2: Yeah, and and there hasn't been so at least one of the counties um, that we found in our analysis, Merced County, wasn't doing much contract tracing at all, um, and there really hasn't been any penalties um, for for uh, that county. Um, I did ask uh, the um, Dr. Mark Galley about this. He's the Secretary of Health and Human Services, you know, and he was very aware uh, that you know counties have to um, use their resources as best they can, so you know they have to try to get to some of the more recent cases and maybe the more um, severe or uh, high risk cases. Um, so they, there hasn't been any penalty for the counties that aren't doing it.
0: And Eric Topol, as you hear what Anna Ibarra is describing, I mean, what is your hope that we will get a contact tracing infrastructure up soon that would be effective at being able to ultimately contain the spread?
1: Yeah, I'm concerned about it. You know, we had that all those many weeks when we were locked down, a couple of months, and that was a time to really, you know, hire folks. You know, we had this tremendous unemployment uh, problem, and here's a great way to employ people to do really important things. So, you know, it, it varies. Uh, San Diego's done a pretty good job for hiring up a workforce to, to do it. There's also, just like the mask problem, and the divided um, divisiveness that we have uh, in our state, there are a lot of people who won't uh, cooperate when they're when they're contacted by the tracing folks. So we have problems uh, that we, we don't have the unity that, that we need, uh, and that would help if we can establish that. I also would just add that there is a testing infrastructure which is far better than the one we have uh, looking at right now, which is relying on at least a couple of days, if not even a week to get turnaround. And there are all these rapid tests that are very promising that you can get the answer in 20 to 30 minutes uh, at home or whatever wherever you are. And that's the kind of infrastructure we should be building right now for the state.
0: Well, Jolene writes, I believe the personal choices that were made by many in the Central Valley to not wear their masks has contributed to the uptick in positive cases in that area. When I drove through San Joaquin Valley early on, very few people were wearing their masks and even questioned why we were wearing ours. On, Ibarra, can you give us any sense of mask wearing and how common that is in parts of the Central Valley?
2: Yeah, so correct. I mean, some of the some of the areas in the Central Valley are known to be more um uh, conservative and more, uh, you know, have spoken against um, the the mask wearing and some of the some of the rules that the uh, state has put forward. Um, I know to uh, one of the counties at least or sorry cities in that area, you know, they've been told that they or wouldn't be the state has told them they, you know, they might not be getting any of the state funding um, because they just won't adhere to the to the rules. So it has been an issue. It has been brought up, and um, yeah, that that's. I mean, it could be a factor in 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 the spike in in cases there too.
0: And uh, bad behavior. I mean, generally, how big of a driver is that to the surge that we've seen, um, Eric Topol? And I use bad in quotes, but I mean, I'm just thinking about you know, public health officials talking about and how people have been disregarding the practices that allowed the slow spread initially.
1: Yeah, no, I think it's a very significant issue. Um, If we had, you know, the right leadership uh, centrally in this country, uh, we would have the right modeling that, you know, masks are essential uh, and um, as much physical distancing as possible is essential. And uh, this whole notion that um, this is not a liberty, this is a social contract for for everyone, you know, all of us here. So we don't really have that, and that's, you know, enhanced this. Um, uh, acting out, if you will, or just denying. And, and of course, we don't have a mandate. We, we, we have a, a putative uh, called a mask mandate, but, but there's no enforcement. As I, as I travel around my region, it's a very substantial proportion of people who are not using a mask uh, in public. Uh, so it's, it's a serious problem. And we would be so far better off if, if we could get everybody to come along.
0: Well, Callie writes, I have a friend who is a contact tracer who says they don't get positive cases soon enough. The systems in place for contact tracing also sound like they're a mess and very disorganized. What are the state and counties doing to improve this situation? And Ibarra, do you know?
2: Yeah, so the the answer really just lies in testing. Um, like the uh caller said, they're really, I mean, contact tracing, you can't you can't do it effectively if you don't have rapid Testing or quicker testing um, turnarounds—that has been the frustration that many of the health officers in these counties expressed. And you know, the state said that they are working on trying to improve testing um, as well as just bring the caseload. You know, you you really keep going back to you want to bring the infection rate and the caseload down. That's how you're able to um, you know. Get. if you have less people having to be tested obviously then you um, you know you can can get to them quicker so yes it, everything goes back to tests if you can't test quick quick enough then you can't really do anything else uh, as effectively
0: well let me go to caller Denise in San Francisco hi Denise
2: hi thanks for taking my call um,
3: I my question is um, your your guests have at various points cited percentages of cases in various states and in various areas within a state and given the fact that we know the virus is spread by can be spread by people who are asymptomatic and given the fact that we're only in most places testing people who are sick or else people who are um for example healthcare workers that you know that are being tested because they're going to be exposed to the virus or you know various things like that i don't i i, I don't understand how we can have any reliable um, estimates as to the percentage of of people that are infected anywhere
0: denise thanks dr topal i can understand how denise feels
1: yeah, well, it's a very astute uh, point uh, Denise is making. So uh, we know that even though there's, uh, in the country, in which is, of course, reflective of California, there's 4.5 million people with documented infections. There's, there's about uh, 37 million people with actual having had infections uh, in the past or current. So there's this, uh, you know, if you will, eightfold or, or more, uh, people that we aren't picking up for various reasons. A lot of them is because they don't have symptoms. They never manifest symptoms or they don't themselves uh, interpret the symptoms. And it's impossible that we're going to be able to test 40 million people in California on a frequent basis, that is, you know, twice a week, once a week, or even more frequent. That's why we proposed through the task force of California to the governor to use digital surveillance. And that is, you know, most people, uh, the majority of people have a wristband that emits uh, heart rate activity and resting heart rate associated with steps or physical activity, as we've published uh, and and used as a standard in Germany, uh, is a great way to detect uh, infections. It, It comes before fever. It's often, fever is never manifest because people are asymptomatic. And it should be picking up people who don't have symptoms because their body still is tackling the virus, even though they don't know it. So that would be a prudent way. We don't need all you know nearly 40 million Californians to use it. Uh, but it's 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 basically free because people just put on their wristband and get the data. And we you know we have a detect study ongoing. We have forty thousand people in it throughout every state. But if we had a, a large number of Californians, that would be continuous assessment, basically free. And then if you saw a signal, uh, as we have seen now, uh, in a particular region. That's when you go in, you know, with rapid testing and and tracing and and all the other uh, ways to track it down. So we have an opportunity. We're not using it. The governor's task force, unfortunately, never responded to our our, uh, queries to why not get involved. And it's unfortunate.
0: And as you say, that would allow you to target your response better. I can imagine that there may be people who are hesitant to do something like that because of privacy concerns about sharing that kind of information. But your point, I think, is underscored by Tracy. Tracy writes, to speak of California as a single place seems wrong. I'm not disagreeing with the need to track and test the entire state, but statistically, it might be much easier to understand what and where the problems lie if the state were broken into different regions. This listener writes, I'm curious what Eric Topol thinks about Newsom's leadership. Is he not doing enough? And what is Anna hearing from lawmakers or others about his approach? So, Dr. Topol, I'll start with you. I mean, What's your assessment of Newsom's leadership?
1: Well, you know, I, I've met uh, Governor Newsom, and I think highly of him. And I think how he led the the, the charge in the U.S. pandemic was laudable. But I've been very disappointed um, in recent times because um, he's basically uh, buckled for uh, for the uh, economics and and the um, the whole uh, need for the business of California to get. Uh, back up before getting the virus under uh, adequate control. He also hasn't uh, taken advantage of the innovation in this state, which is extraordinary. That's why we should be the lead in the rapid testing, the the 20, 30 minute at home, so that we can get back to some semblance of pre-COVID life. He should be the one that embraces the digital surveillance that works in 580,000 people in Germany. It's called their national fever curve. California should be doing that. So I, I've been disappointed. I hope you know we still can come around. We're not nearly as bad off as, as many other places in this country, but we should be showing the leadership that, that I know he can provide.
0: And Anna, how other lawmakers are responding to his approach?
2: yeah so the lawmakers that i some of the lawmakers i've talked to have also uh, agreed that we reopened too soon Um, and some uh, other ones have also asked for more transparency in some of the um, actions so for example actions around um, uh, the distribution of uh, PPE or protective gear um, and as well as uh, more of the distribution of the state's contact tracers. Where are those going? Um, you know, state lawmakers have expressed concern about both the transparency and um, the re- reopening. Why did we reopen when we did?
0: Hmm. Well, Christine in Concord, join us. Hi, Christine.
2: Hi. Thanks for taking oh, my right call. It's a
0: wonderful
3: sure. program. Um, so just have um, one Um, and a question. I was really proud of Governor Newsom and the task force and what they were doing to um, slow the virus. And then all of a sudden, I get that we open too early. But does anybody know why? I mean, I've been really curious about that. Um, Mm -hmm. And then my comment is about contact tracing. I took a course offered by Johns Hopkins, I got certified to do contact tracing. I have a master's degree in counseling. I'm perfectly qualified. I applied for probably, I don't know, 30 jobs across the country um, to do contact tracing, and I received one response. Is there Mm -hmm. any way to volunteer or get involved with um, an organization that's working
0: on this? Thank you, Christine. Anna, do you want to start with the second part of Christine's question first?
2: Yeah, yeah. So um, th- that's that's a great um, a great point. So I know that uh, one. You have the counties doing their own. Um, or creating their own team, building their own team of contact tracers. Then you have the state. Um, from what I remember, the state was um, using some of uh, state workers as well as uh, pulling people maybe from their, their health corps. So that was the team they were building um, uh, of healthcare workers, I don't know if um, you know. Maybe she tried to sign up through there. Um, so maybe uh, calling, you know, the the that's a great point. I don't know how you join, but uh, you know, I know that some um, also some universities have been trying to help build. Um, the contact tracers for their uh, counties. Uh, so maybe calling a, a public health department or, um, you know, might be, she might be able to get more information on how to um, yeah. join your local department. But uh, yes, that, that's, that's a great point. I, I don't know exactly how you'd bring the contact tracing team.
0: And Eric Topol, you uh, touched on the economic and political pressures that the governor was under, but anything more specific for Christine in the last 20 seconds or so that we have left about why Newsom changed his mind?
1: Well, I think to answer Christine's question, there, was, there, there it was just the fact that business got priority and there was heavy pressure uh, for the governor to get things back on in terms of stores and, and all the other uh, things that um, are California's dependent on its economy. So that, that had, unquestionably was the reason.
0: Eric Topol of Scripps and Anna Ibarra of CalMatters Thanks to both of you for talking to us. Forum is produced by Judy Campbell, Tina Lauerberg, Ariana Prail, Blanca Torres, and Susan Britton, our senior editor is Dan Wall. Dan Zoll, our engineer is Danny Bringer, and our intern is Jamison Weiss. I'm Mina Kim. Thanks so much for listening. Have a good weekend.
3: Funds for the production of Forum are provided by the members of KQED Public Radio and the Germanicos Foundation and the Generosity Foundation.